everybody, and welcome to episode four of Cameras and Coffee. Um, today we have Kathleen Desiderio with us. Did I say it right? Because I know I yes. messed it up with Lynn, uh, with Fred. Um, we are going to be talking with her about something that I think that she's an expert at. I mean, that's just me, but you know, I still think she's an expert at it. We're going to talk to her about macro photography. Hi, Kathleen. How you doing? Hi, Susan. I'm doing well. How are you today? Very good. Thanks so much for uh, coming on and talking with us. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Nothing better than on this gray, dreary day. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it's a yucky day out today. Um, okay, so you and I have known each other for a little while, a couple of years, I think. Um, and you started photography long before we met. I mean, when you and I met, I was just kind of starting out. So um, what is, you know, when did you start photography? Why, you know, did you start it? You know, what's, what's your photography story is what I'm asking you, Kathleen. Sure, sure. Um, so I started back, I want to say in high school was the first time I really had, uh, my father always took some pictures, uh, had a camera way back when, but I really started in high school, took a photography class that was part photography and part uh, videography, and I fell in love with it. And my parents bought me a camera and I would babysit just to make enough money to um, buy and develop film back then. And through college, I, I had a camera in college and I took some pictures, but I didn't take any photography classes there. Um, I didn't take another class until I was in living in Manhattan, uh, you know, working my mm -hmm. first job in my early 20s after college. And I was looking for something to do. And I took... Um, a class at night at the International Center of Photography. And it was a black and white class and we developed our own film and I just, you know, rekindled my love of photography. Great. <laughs> um, and then I would, you know, over the years I would put, you know, start and stop. And I, you know, picked it back up when I had my kids. And mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, I did a meetup with a couple of people uh, that went to Massapequa Park looking for owls of all things, but, uh, we were, you know, in the woods looking for owls. And when we got back to the cars, um, you know, someone had commented about my camera and also commented that I was on auto <laughs> and the guy spent, you know, this is what I love about all the photographers that I've met. Everybody's so generous with their time and, uh, helpful. And he sat with me for about an hour and really explained the exposure triangle. And, um, I left there understanding more than I really ever have. And when I left, he said to me, now promise me, you'll never go back to auto. And for the most part, I had not um, since then. And, you know, with the, the digital cameras now, you really can, you know, try and explore and, and try things and just delete anything that didn't work. Yep. That was that was why my husband had no problem with me getting involved with this quote unquote hobby at the time, because he said, hey, you bought the camera. We, it's no problem. I don't have to spend money and tons and tons of money on on film. So we're good. Little did he know um, <laughs> <laughs> as time has gone on and the amount of money I've spent on camera equipment. But it's a great it's it's a hobby. It really is. But. It, I, you and I know each other. It's there's just such a deep seated love for it. Yes, that um, I think all of us in all of the groups and everybody that we we bump into here on Long Island is just there's something about it and the love for it. And you've turned you you've done landscape, you've done um, 
you dabble, you're dabbling right now in portraits and you're getting really, really, really good in portraits and you've done wildlife, but you're also, as far as I'm concerned, you're the expert in macro photography. Why did you get involved in macro photography? What was it about it that you like so much? You know, I would see these pictures online and I just, you know, with with each of the different types of photography, you know, there's always something else to learn. Portrait, mm-hmm. you have you posing and lighting and astrophotography. There's all different tools to help you find the, the Milky Way, et cetera. But with macro photography, you know, it was always a big puzzle. I would look at these pictures and just like, how did they do that? <laughs> um, and it was, it was, cha- it was to me, it was like challenge. So, um, you know, I got on YouTube and learned as much as I could and, um, invested in my first macro lens and started playing. So now explain to everybody out there so they know, they understand exactly what macro photography is, because as far as I'm concerned, the minute I hear macro photography, I don't want to see bug eyes. I mean, you know, it's not my thing is, is bugs, but there is after I've been hanging out with you for as long as I have, there's a lot more to it. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what macro photography is? Sure. So macro photography, just, you know, in general sense, is extreme close-up photography. And what they, what they say is it's sort of life-size or one-to-one. The image that you're taking is exactly on the sensor, exactly the size that it would, uh, it appears in life. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you are taking a picture of a person, you would, ne- you know, think of the size of your sensor, you would have to use a regular lens and take just their eye to fill the sensor. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to focus on the eye. Or if you're using an example of a dime, um, you know, you lay a dime down on a desk and you go to use, you know, shoot it and get all the capture, all the detail um, on the dime. And you know, you use a regular lens, you would have to be so far back that there would be so much more in your frame than the dime. So it's not life-size. You really need a macro lens to do that. There are, I shouldn't say you need to, because there are other uh, tools that you can use uh, with regular lenses. So for example, yeah. So there's something called a uh, reverse ring mount adapter that you put on your Um, camera, you put this ring on your camera and then you literally take your regular lens that you would screw into the camera and you screw it on backwards. Oh, wow. And however the glass works within the lens, um, it allows you to use your regular lens um, and focus closer than you would have a, you know, a much shorter focal distance and can fill that sensor. Um, it's a little risky to do it. That's why I've never done it because now your, you know, your, uh, end of your, you know, camera, that's normally the, your lens that's normally inside your camera is exposed right? and you're focusing pretty close to things. And, you know, there's a chance it could get, you know, your, your ring that is, uh, that screws into the camera or the lens that's back there could get scratched or damaged. And I just... Yeah, I mean, but it is a way to try, and those reverse mount rings are pretty inexpensive. Um, okay. If you're careful, you can try it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it would be. It, I guess it would be one way to at least somebody to say, you know, for example, however, thirty, forty, a hundred bucks to get one of these things if they just want to get a quick taste of it. That would be right. one way to 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 get a quick taste of it. So, okay. Yes. Another way is uh, using extension tubes. Those tubes go between your lens and your uh, camera. 
and Mm -hmm. they, so it's just like a middle piece and, you know, they come in various sizes, but they extend your focal distance as well on your existing lens and get you closer to the subject. Okay. So. Okay. But for macro photography, there are a couple of things that I, I definitely recommend. Um, I recommend getting a macro lens. If you're going to get into this, um, tripod is your best friend because, um, you know, holding the camera still for something with a very, and we can, we'll get into this, but very shallow depth of field, um, is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, and a cable release, either remote or wired cable. Mm -hmm. Um, I have wired, you know, $29 one (laughs) that I still use, but, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be really expensive, but those are the, you know, three primary things. And, um, you know, uh, the, the lens itself, there's a couple of different sizes that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, the cheapest is usually uh, like the smallest, you know, it's 40, 50 millimeter. All the different manufacturers have different sizes. Um, but, you know, the 40, 50 millimeter ones are probably $250, $300, something like that. And then there's a 105 millimeter or some of the manufacturers have around 90 but that mid-range and then there's some up in the 200 millimeter range Mm -hmm. um those typically are the ones that shoot one-to-one um and there are advantages for each of them um i prefer the 105 for a few reasons i had originally the the smaller one i had bought um when i first got into this i didn't want to spend a lot didn't know if i would use it and um it's, it's still great when I'm using it inside. Um, you have to focus. You have to be really close to your subject mm-hmm. uh, with that lens for it to focus. Uh, the 105, to get the to fill the sensor with the same size object, so back to the dime, you might be eight inches from the dime with the 50 millimeter, and you can be two feet with the 105, and the 200, you could be five feet, for example. I'm just, you know, estimating here. Right. But... Um, when you're that close, uh, you know, if you are shooting bugs, I know you don't like them. <laughs> not, not what you're interested in, but what when you're that close and you're using the smaller of the, you know, uh, macro lenses, right. uh, they, they don't stay. They don't stick around gotcha. <laughs> to get your picture. Uh, you scare them off. So, um, and then I find with the 200, it's great too, but sometimes I find that you know, between me and my subject could be a bug, could be something else in the garden of flower. There's something in between where I am in that five feet distance or whatever the, you know, focal length is. Right. And it's just a little bit too far for me. Plus if I am using it at home and I want to use it for water drop photography or some kind of, I do oil and water and we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the different things you can do. But um, I would have to, you know, my oil, oil and water would have to be on the floor for me to to, you know, stand over it and take a picture with the 200 millimeter. Now, you mentioned before tripod, and I know that you have not an extremely strange or odd, but you have a tripod that gives you the capability of having your your camera be able to be right overhead. Is that why you bought that? Yes, I did. It actually, the center post in the the tripod, so there's, you know, obviously the three legs, but there's also a center post and that comes up and actually can um, convert into like a boom arm um, and you can mount your camera facing straight down. That's cool. Yeah. 
And um, for a lot of the photography that I do, uh, like I, you know, I do shoot on a light board sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I'll shoot flowers. Um, and it's just like a tracing board. When I say light board, that's what I mean. Um, some people used to use them to look at negatives, but um, gotcha. a lot of people use them. Art supply stores have them now. Amazon has them. You can get a, a you know, really cheap one for $30. Um, but they illuminate your subject from underneath. So I'll put down um, hydrangeas or fruit, or I'll put down uh, beach glass, Mm -hmm. anything that's translucent, marbles. And I'll shoot them from above, uh, facing straight down at your light board. And you see all the veining in the leaves of the hydrangeas or um, all the little imperfections in the beach glass, but but it makes them sort of 3d because it's the light shining from underneath it's really it's really cool yeah i I remember a couple of times you've you've challenged us uh, uh, online by putting something up there and say okay what is this you know and you're looking at it going is it dust what is that (laughs) yes and i have done that i've taken some just everyday household you know the the tongues the points on the tongues of a, a fork or um you know, a strainer in the kitchen, or I've done dust out of the, the vent in the dryer and so close up. So, you know, you can take a, uh, on top of a, you know, your macro lens, if you want to get closer than one-to-one, um, you can use some of these same things like extension tubes. You can also use a teleconverter. Like if you have a, a 2X teleconverter, you're now, you know, you're at two-to-one. So it's, gotcha. you know, two, two times life size, right? Huh. There's a Canon lens that's incredible, which is a, an MPE 65 millimeter that actually goes up to uh, five times life size, which is wow. incredible. And something like snowflakes, you'd really want to use something that's bigger than one-to-one. If you have a quarter inch, you know, snowflake, even life size in, you know, in a picture is going to be small. All right, I'm, um, I'm going to ask you, how in the world do you photograph a snowflake? What do you do to do that? Okay. I put all my equipment outside first. Okay. Um, and what I've been doing most recently is I have, um, of all things, a bagel slicer. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen them. They, you hold it. It's mm-hmm. a little wooden thing and it has a, a, a slit in it. You put your bagel and you cut yeah. it with the knife in between. And I have a piece of glass that I uh, took out of a picture frame and I put it in that spot. And oh my God. yes. And so I get all the equipment out because if you bring it out hot, um, your snowflakes will melt instantly on right. anything like even the glass. So I leave it out a little while before I go out and I, you know, turn the glass sideways and I capture a few flakes and then I am able to upright it and just adjust my tripod to wherever, it, you know, it is on that piece of glass that I've captured. Um, and then you can put behind it any kind of color piece of paper you want. Um, I've also used just a, um, a glove or hat or, you know, black piece of um, fabric. I have some, you know, piece of velvet from the craft store. Wow, um, and that I use, and I capture them on that. They look great on on black as well. Yeah, I was wondering how that was done because you know those things, the, the snowflakes, you know, they melt real fast. But that's an ingenious way to do it. It really would never have thought of doing it that way. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. So other things that I, you know, like you, you were talking about the bugs. I, I do shoot bugs just because I have a, a lot of friends that are really into um, wildlife and bugs. I've, I belong to a, a small camera group. Uh, that's all, that's all they do is um, wildlife photography. Um, but, you know, flowers are great subjects. I do a lot of uh, dandelions. Um, I was saying like the household items, but something about liquid I just love. So whether it's literally water drops, I bought a, you know, um, some, a dropper that, that, that drops water and you get the collisions, um, you know, that kind of splash photography refractions with little tiny, like I'll take one tiny dandelion seed and I'll put a, I'll use, I actually use a hypodermic needle to put the drop of water on the dandelion seed. And then I get so close up um, and I put an image behind it and you, or you can, or you can do it outside, literally, you know, doing it on a, on a flower petal and put a drop of water and see another flower behind it. But a lot of times I stage them. Um, and so I will put a, a picture of a, I've done a canvas print with a, with a flower, of, you know, behind it. Um, and you can actually capture the image of the flower through the water droplet. I, yeah, I've seen that. And that, that's, that's very impressive. I would never understand how to do that. And I've seen you do it and I've seen your setup when you've, you know, done that. And it's just, it's extremely, extremely impressive. So if you're using, for example, um, and there's so much you can learn on, on YouTube, it's really incredible. But if you, uh, use a real flower behind it, for example, Mm -hmm. um, you have to light the flower behind, you know, don't light in front, don't draw, light your drop. You actually light the flower behind the droplet of okay. water. Um, and I've also now, because I was, you know, one time I was figuring, I have a remote, I'm, I'm focusing. Um, I have a remote in my hand. I'm trying to light the um, flower and, and I have to, mm-hmm. you know, take the picture, click, right? <laughs> click the shutter. And I just couldn't do it all. So I have gotten something that actually, uh, you know, it's a little arm that holds my flashlight that I can, you know, put on direct to the flower. And, you know, that was one trick that I learned. Another thing I've done is I actually go in front of a computer monitor and I um, turn on the screen and now you have an illuminated subject. You search for flowers online and you, you know, find something you like. You have to invert your picture for that because, uh, through with refraction, your image will be upside down in your droplet. Um, so, you know, I turn the image upside down. Now I have an illuminated object behind me and I don't have to hold anything. can pick whatever you want. (laughs) Wow. That's cool. Now, now do you use the same kind of formula and the same kind of equipment and stuff like that? Because I've done it with you and it's been a while since we've done it, but you got me hooked on doing smoke yes, and photographing smoke. And that one you actually don't need a macro lens for, um, you, you know, I still, you know, I've done both, um, that's, that's one of the things you don't actually need. Um, um, you can zoom in and, and take, um, okay you know, with the zoom lens, for example, um, you know, it's not that small, the, the amount of smoke. Right. Right. Um, but it's, it's really, that's another really fun thing to do. Um, you know, so 
what kind of lighting, you know, when you're, when you're set up at home, I mean, being outside and doing the bugs or, you know, zooming in on something, you know, outside, you know, you've got, you, you've got the outside light, but what kind of lighting are you using when you're doing macro? What do you suggest for somebody who's just starting out what they can use? So I, I typically use off camera flash. Um, okay. There's a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of different tools. So I'll talk about a couple of different things. If let's say you go out to um, an arboretum and you have mm-hmm. flowers, right? Um, mm-hmm. A, you want to go when it's not full sun uh, because you'll have a lot of shadows from your petals. You can you fill in shadows with a reflector, small little handheld reflector. Um, you can also use your reflector, to, you know, over the flower to kind of block the sun. So you need mm-hmm. like a t- tiny little thing. You can bring water in a mister bottle and mist the, the flower, which is also really fun to do. Um, and you can also fill in with flash. Um, I have, like I said, I use off-camera flash, but I am just now researching LED lights because um, instead of, you know, trying flash and seeing that it, you know, you have too much light and having to adjust it. Um, and then Mm -hmm. taking another picture to see if it filled in where you wanted. And if it's still too light, taking another picture with, um, a, an led battery powered Mm -hmm. light, um, you can find the exact placement while the light's on and how much light you want before you even take one picture. So wow. um, okay. that's my, my next toy. <laughs> you <laughs> You're looking at things like um, just anything specific or like the yeah, moon was, cube is one thing or something yeah, like that, that. Is That's it, one I'm looking at. Um, I, okay. I, someone just told me about bolt 300. Um, okay. It's, it's sort of a, you know, it's like size of a cell phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you just put it on a, you know, on any light, you know, light stand, you can, a really light little you know light stand that you can carry along in your gotcha. bed they don't have to be uh doesn't have to be big it's not heavy it's really okay. light so um Very that's cool. yeah don't look into that or you can actually there's some things that you can clamp to your um leg of your tripod and okay. um attach it to the end of this you know flexible tubing and uh you know right from your tripod you can uh you can set it up but we're not necessarily saying to anybody that they've got to go out and buy, you know, the pro photos, this, or, you know, no, that they, no, no. you don't need that to no. do this. Nope. Nope. I use a flashlight for a lot of things. Wow. Okay. Just a flashlight that I have in the house. All right. Cool. What's the strangest thing that you've macroed? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say, I, I, I don't, it's probably, probably not strange. Uh, well, I, the lint was probably the strangest. It took a lot, a lot of people a long time to figure out what it was, but uh, <laughs> it was quite pretty. I must've had like a purple shirt in there and something red or whatever was in the dry. It was really cool colors. But, um, I want to say a mixture of acrylic paint, milk, and oil, because what happens when you mix them is there's sort of like a chemical reaction and they keep, it keeps bubbling and the chain and the, the cha- colors change. So you can, you know, put a couple of different colors of um, paint in the milk. And when, you know, it's milk oil and, you know, look it up on YouTube. It's really cool. A lot of people show you how to do it. Um, 
And it's like a kaleidoscope because it keeps changing. It keeps bubbling and keeps moving. So you need a pretty fast shutter to, um, you know, capture it. I saw one guy online, his his whole life, that's what he does now. It's just that he sells a lot of money for his uh, photography of paint, milk, and oil. Wow. Yep. Quit his day job. Okay. <laughs> what kind of, what, I'm next. Uh, what kind of, what kind of paint you're talking about? Are you talking about just an acrylic paint? Just acrylic paints. Yep. Any kind so you of can craft go to the craft paint. store and yep. yeah, just pick, pick up, up a couple of colors great. and you know, something fun, neons he, or do, you know, blues and golds and browns and you know, whatever. It's really is neat. He, is he using, cause I've seen some people get daring because I know uh, this is a little off subject, but I know that there are those people that, that shoot, you know, in the water and they have the underwater housing and they have all this other stuff. But then I've seen videos where the guy takes a fish tank and submerges the the fish tank a quarter of the way or half the way into the swimming pool to get the picture of the girl under the water. Do you know, is these people when they're doing this, are they using something like a fish tank? No, no, this is just a bowl of water. And they're, really? they're using that boom arm and they're shooting straight down as the the colors of the paints mix. It's like little beads. Susan, I'll have to, sh- I'll send you tonight. I'll send you something. <laughs> really that sounds interesting. That sounds really, really interesting. That, that's the kind of stuff I like seeing. I like seeing, you know, um, the video of, you know, the, in- it, it look, you get the impression of like, it's some kind of an injection of a color and it just, it like cloud, you know, it makes these wild clouds and it's just, it, it's it, to me, that's interesting. I just never thought that I would, not saying it's bad that I would need a macro to do that. So now I'm looking, I'm right now I have to go out and buy a macro lens. <laughs> I've been saying that to Kathleen for a long time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, but I have, I have yet to do now, it. So uh, you can use my, cause we're both Nikon shooters. You can use my uh, smaller one and I'll use my one Oh five. We'll have to do that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Anything else you want to tell anybody about uh, macro photography? Yeah, I definitely want to talk just a minute about depth of field. Oh, please, please, please. Yes. So with macro lenses, because you're focusing so closely, your depth of field is really shallow. So you can shoot at F8, let's say a landscape. And for the most part, I mean, I know people go to F11, whatever, but the vast majority of the scene is in focus at f8 f9 if you shoot macro at f8 or f9 it's a sliver of the subject that's in focus so you want to shoot at the higher f-stops to get more of your subject in focus Um, a a lot of times i'm at f16 f22 you know what i mean or higher um that there, I know people talk about chromatic aberration or whatever when at higher f-stops. The newer equipment, it's not really that much of a problem um, mm-hmm. like it used to be when, you know, people talk about that as an issue. The new, you know, the newer equipment, it's, mm-hmm. it's really not as bad. Um, another way to do it is to, uh, to get more focus in a subject. I know people that do... Um, Bugs, really serious macro photographers. I've seen some of these, you know, Facebook pages or whatever dedicated to this stuff. And they'll have a bug and every single hair from the tip of the nose to the tail is in focus. And, you know, you wonder how they do it. And what they're doing is what is called focus stacking. And a lot of them do it on something called focus rails. So the cameras, you know, the... um, 
you set your focus on the uh, nose or whatever's closest to the lens and you turn the rail and you just take one picture at each sort of turn um, without touching the focus again. So that sliver goes from the nose to the eyes, to the ears, to the, you know, the, their shoulders. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, wow. Whatever. Okay. And then they merge the, all, the pictures together, uh, merging the wow. clearest portion of that image. So it's really stacking it. Right. Yeah. Okay. One That's thing that cool. you can do also, if, um, you know, for depth of field without, you know, stacking is to make sure that uh, you orient your lens parallel to the most important details of your subject. So if it's a daisy, you know, if it's uh, on an angle, um, you know, something's going to be out of focus. You may mm-hmm. focus, you know, you know, a short way into the flower and maybe the front of the petals and the, the middle of the, the daisy might be clear, but then the furthest petals will be blurry. Um, if you turn that daisy and it's literally the whole face of the daisy is flat, equal to the parallel to the front of your lens, um, Mm -hmm. it will all be clear. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, because of your, and this is why the cable release and the tripod is so important because of your need to go to the higher F stops. If you want to keep a low ISO, your shutter is going to be open for a long time. So um, gotcha. you have to weigh everything because if you're outside and you have wind, you know, there's a lot yep. of things you have to weigh. Yeah. That, and, I, and I'm beginning to think that um, I, being that I know you, it's, it's like you said earlier, it's the, um, the challenge. Yes. Is what it what got yeah, I know that with certain things with myself also, like astrophotography, it's the challenge because it's new and there's so much more to it that just, you know, clicking a shutter at, you know, with the landscape. I mean, there is a lot more to take into consideration and that's what I think also entices so many people into photography in general. You know, I was a type of person, I was a crafter and I did, you name it, I did it. I quilted, I did this, I did that. And I get bored after a while. Once I've done it, I get bored. But with photography, I've never gotten bored. There's just, I know there's always something, to, something else to learn, yeah. something else to try. It's really, yeah. really, really exciting. Yes, it is. Okay. Anything else you want to tell us, Kathleen? Uh, no, just be creative. Don't, don't, uh, be patient with macro photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and be creative. I mean, just change your vantage point. Um, try different up stops, you know, sometimes using something really narrow and just getting the tip of a, you know, uh, the edge of a, a leaf, um, and not the whole thing in focus can be really, uh, you know, modern and artistic so uh you know same subject shoot it at different f-stops try at f4 try f8 and try 22 um you see what you like when you get back right okay cool and it's on your computer screen yeah and like you said and use and learn as much as you can on youtube (laughs) yeah there's so many great that's the one thing i think all of us that you know in our photography groups i mean i don't know any of that many of us i can't say any of us i don't know that many of us that are actually quote unquote trained by you know you took a class on one subject but every one of us i think are all self-taught and yeah. it's not impossible to learn. You just got to be put, you just got to be willing to put the time in. That's all. Right. Wow. And ask other photographers. Yep. I mean, you know, where the, the, some of the photography groups that we belong mm-hmm. to, people are just incredible. Yeah. 
They are. I cannot tell you how much I, you know, have learned from fellow photographers and friends in these groups. Yep, it is. It's great. All right, Kathleen, thank you very much. I appreciate you sitting with us for a little bit, talking with us. Thank you, Susan. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. So I just want to say thank you to Kathleen again uh, for sitting down and talking with us. Hopefully this gave you a little bit of an introduction into macro photography. We will definitely be hooking up with her probably at a later date to go into more details because there's a lot more to it than just what we tapped into here today. If you do want to see any of her work, you can definitely find her on the internet at desidariofineartscom I will put a link in the description below. If you want to make sure that you don't miss any of our episodes to Cameras and Coffee, please go to the website for Photographers of Long Island, scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out the form, and you will be getting email updates of when new episodes are coming out. All right, folks, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Take care.